eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Year's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. You sit at a desk. They sit at a desk. You have sales reports. They have book reports. You need supplies. They need supplies. Business is a lot like school. That's why your small business should take advantage of back-to-school deals at Staples. Now, Staples 1-inch 3-ring binders are $1.92. One-subject notebooks are just $0.25, cents, and two-pocket poly folders are just $0.35 cents each. Make back-to-school your business at Staples. In-store only while supplies last. Offer ends 9-1-18, limit 30. Log Talk Radio. Hey guys, it's Wednesday night now. Coming to you with the Finsider Podcast live on Wednesday nights from now on. I'm Kevin. Welcome. If you want to call in, the show's number is 347-326-9461. Give us a call. We'll talk about anything Miami Dolphins you want to talk about. I'm here by myself right now, so uh, you get to hear me talk about whatever I want to talk about until you guys give me something else you want to talk about. So first thing up is uh, this past weekend against the Raiders and the beatdown that the Dolphins were able to put on the Raiders. It was a long first half, we'll say, with I think it was nine combined punts between the two teams in the first half. The Dolphins scored on the opening drive 
with the punt fest starting right after that. Oakland managed to put up 10 points in the middle of the two quarters, but nothing really exciting was happening. Second half comes out. Oakland gets the ball, punt. Dolphins get the ball, punt. Oakland gets the ball, punt. Dolphins get the ball, and it was game on from there. So at the end of the day, Reggie Bush had run for 172 yards. Ryan Tannehill had thrown for 200, 111 of which went to uh, Brian Hartline. Lamar Miller came out of nowhere to add 60-some-odd yards himself. 65, I think, was the total on 10 rushes. Um, he got a touchdown. So we uh, we we had a good uh, we had a good second half there, and I'll go ahead and welcome in Keith. Keith, how are you? It's Jets week. I'm ready to choke someone out if I have to. It is Jets week. It is Jets week. I was getting to that, but uh, sorry about that. No, it's fine. It's fine. Um, so your thoughts on last weekend? awesome it's uh there's a big difference between winning a game and thinking this might be our guy at quarterback and winning a game and knowing that you have the right guy in place i I think there's a a big difference in how you feel after a game i I think yep so and that's how i felt with i mean the last few days i mean and that's not to say the guy is going to be flawless the rest of the year i'm I'm expecting some some big time screw-ups throughout this season but i i thought I've seen plenty, even when he was getting his brain bashed in by Houston two weeks ago, to think that he, that guy was absolutely the right fit for us. He was. He, he's going to develop nicely. Yeah, we're still going to have problems this year. He's still going to make rookie mistakes. We still have teams like San Francisco on the schedule that's going to just absolutely crush him as he tries to figure out NFL defenses. But mm-hmm. we're – he does. He looks like the right guy. So um, he's grading out right now as the second best rookie quarterback in the league, only behind RG3, who's up in Washington doing I don't know what. I don't know who he made a deal with, but that guy has some talent. But RT17 is looking better than even Andrew Luck. So right now, granted it's only been two weeks, but right now, Ryan Tannehill was the right pick. I'm thinking that, I mean, all three guys are really good at what yeah. they do. I think, that, I mean, Griffin wasn't flawless last week. I actually watched a little bit of that game, and he had some some really bad decisions in that game that ended up costing Washington. So, I mean, it, it's not like that guy just stepped in and is going to the Pro Bowl right off the bat and everything. I mean, he's there's going to be a learning curve for him, too. Yeah, oh, so, yeah, very much so. Mean, all three, all three guys are, are, in in my opinion, except for maybe Luck, of playing past expectations. Oh yeah, and I think uh, I think what you're going to see with RG3 is that he's going to come back down to earth as teams figure out how to defend him, just because they they have opened up to more of a quarterback run offense than I think most teams expected them to. So I think you're going to see him come back down. Not saying that he's not talented. I just think defenses are going to be able to adapt to him quicker than maybe to an Andrew Luck or a Ryan Tannehill who are actually in the pocket throwing. 
Did I lose you? Uh-oh, I dropped Keith. Thus the dead silence of the air. But okay. So yeah, I think I think Tannehill's going to is going to have a good first year. Um I think we're still going to see some struggles from him, but I think he's going to have a good first year. I think the reemergence of Reggie Bush this week after Houston and the beatdown that Houston gave us, I think the reemergence of Reggie Bush is going to be a big part in the growth of Ryan Tannehill because I think Bush will be able to go out there and take the pressure off of Tannehill. And with Bush being able to be used both as a running back and as a receiver, I think you're going to see Tannehill have that option to dump it off to Bush. And Keith, welcome back to the show. Sorry about that. Nope, not a problem. But yeah, I think I think Bush is going to be the key to Tannehill's development this year. I think uh, if I can kind of kind of jump in there, just because this is a topic I'm fascinated by right now. But Miami's backfield could be stacked for all yeah. we know right now. I, I mean, I don't expect Bush to see as many touches as he did last week if uh, if Thomas is in there, and that's probably a good thing because while it's clear that guy can run between the tackles now. I, I'd rather not run him into the ground. Right. If we, have, if we absolutely do not have to. So, I mean, getting that, I mean, what we were calling it, earth, wind, and fire, too. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. what it is. I mean, and now it's to the point where Bush is a, a faster between the tackles guy, and then you have uh, Thomas, who's more of a crusher, and I, I'm i just thrilled that we have Lamar Tom, or uh, Lamar Miller. And, right. Uh, I'm glad he changed his number too. Yep. But uh, I think uh or Thomas did come back today. He was back full participant in practice, so he should be cleared to play this week after his concussion at uh Houston. So we should we should see all three running backs, I'm hoping. I think that I think that Miller did enough last week to justify him staying active each weekend. So we should see him active and uh it could it could be a, a nice combination that we have back there. Thomas Miller's giving you the power and say again. Miller's vision is outstanding. Like yeah, that that touchdown run he had. I mean, he he literally just wormed his way right through there. And I'm looking forward to seeing that guy run in the open field because he, he's fast. But yeah, he is. He he's he's going to be I, he's going to be worth the trade up to get him. Yeah, I mean, a fourth round trade, that's a no-brainer. Yeah. I mean, especially when when other guys are, are in the fifth round and after that are either not on the team or on the practice squad or whatever. I mean, the, the juice is very much worth the squeeze at that point. So, I think nice nice reference. The juice is worth the squeeze. Um, thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, one thing that's going to be uh, critical for Daniel as the weeks go on here is getting Agnew into the game. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why he, he he's inactive on the. You can go ahead and drop a million reasons, I'm sure. But getting that that two tight end attack and getting uh, a bona fide weapon. I, mean, I think he runs like a sub four six, which for a guy of that size is unbelievable. Right. So one way or another, once once coaching staff feels that guy's ready, he's got to get in there because he immediately. 
becomes a, a big time weapon and a part of this offense. Yeah. I love I, Brian Hartline. I think Hartline's yeah, proven to a lot of people that he's uh, a, a clutch. He's just a clutch receiver. And those underneath routes that, that he just murdered Oakland with last, last Sunday I mean, showed I mean, exactly what that guy's capable of. But right. I, there's no way I'm comfortable leaning on that guy that much every week. And there are teams that, very few teams are going to get that guy that kind of cushion. I mean, the Jets aren't going to, the Jets are going to get right on him. Yeah, but I think um, I was talking to one of the contributors up at Gangring Nation today, and I but think what's, yeah, but what uh, what's I think going to be key this week is the Jets are going to if Revis is back, which he was out last week. If you guys don't know that, but if he's back this week, and even if he's not, the Jets have a secondary that's going to be able to press the Dolphins receivers. But when you stop and think about it, if you put Revis on Hartline or um, on Bess, you're still going to turn around and have Fasano, Clay, Bush, Miller, uh, Lane. I mean, we still have all kinds of weapons that can come out and catch a ball. We may not have Brandon Marshall, but we have Reggie Bush, Lamar Miller. So, Granted, we may not have that guy that's going to streak down the field and give you that huge catch or that huge drop in the end zone, but we do have the guys that, you know what, if we give them the ball in space, they'll be able to get that game. So we may not be throwing the ball deep, but we could be still be having the results of the deep throw. I love the irony that this is the rushing attack Tony Serrano on the whole time. Yes. And, and could never really muster and then yeah. he leaves, and, and we're supposed to be a pass-first team, and we will be. We're, I think a lot of this is the fact that we are a, a little bit shorthanded in the in the receiver group. Yeah. But, I mean, this is this is the multifaceted rushing attack that uh, the previous regime w- was looking for early and often. And but in my it'll opinion, be never got, came close to finding. So. It'll be interesting this week since we're starting to move on to the Jets. Let's go ahead and go into the Jets preview. It'll be interesting this week because Sperano's stubborn. I mean, we know that. We've seen him for four years. He's stubborn. It's going to be his way. And who knows Sperano better than the Dolphins right now? So he's going to come down here, and he's going to try to jam that ball down our throat. He's going to use Sean Green. He's going to try to go right up the middle, and he's going to go right into Starks and Solii. And it's going to be interesting to watch to see how – or if Sperano can evolve a game plan to get away from Starks and Solii, who are just dominating the middle right now. I mean, even with his two touchdowns, Arian Foster was held to, what, 84, 86 yards, somewhere around there. And then uh, Darian, or Darren McFadden was 11 yards or something ridiculously small. So, I mean, the the Dolphins' defense is stepping up in a way that, people did not expect and I think we as Miami fans all saw it and knew that what this defense could be but uh the the media and the experts out there and everything for some reason just completely ignored the Dolphins defense this preseason so I think a big reason for that is the outside of their their front seven there's not I said this before there's not a lot of star power right. I think Smith could be that guy I like Marshall uh, Jones is stepping up. I mean, he could 
he could be a guy I like, Wilson. Uh, but that's the group that's gonna. And this is gonna sound obvious, but if if the Dolphins are gonna win on things, it's because those guys go in there and recognize that it's Mark Sanchez. They're gonna get opportunities, and I don't mean that as any kind of slight, but I mean that guy is infamous for putting the ball up. So, I mean, the opportunities are going to be there, and the problem with, I, I keep referencing the previous regime, those guys couldn't take advantage right. of those opportunities. I mean, they're either dropping the ball, or, I mean, they're a quarter step late getting there, whatever. These guys have to have to punish the quarterbacks who are with the, who put up Aaron throws. Yeah, it's that that's going to be the key for the rest of the years. What can our secondary do? Because Wake is getting to the quarterback. He's just not getting there in time for the sack. He's putting the pressure on. He's just not getting the sack. And those are going to come. He's going to start getting sacks. Uh, obviously, Randy Starks can get a sack up the middle. Um, and Audric or Vernon will eventually start getting sacks on the opposite side as more and more teams worry about Wake. So that's coming, but it's going to be, can we get our hands on the ball, and can we keep the ball when we do get our hands on it? And it's going to be Smith, Marshall, Nolan. Um, it's it's going to be that group that we all see as our weakness that's going to have to step up and prove that they can play. It's funny that the weaknesses of the team are receivers and cornerbacks, two sides that go up against each other. It's funny that that's where our weaknesses are. Yeah. Not too, not too thrilled about that. I'm just saying <laughs> I'm really thrilled with, with Wake's back production, but I will say that guy's just slaughtered the run this year. Yes. So I'm, I'm, I take it with a grain of salt because, I mean, through all the, the extra attention that guy's getting, I mean, he's been splitting and he's getting contact on the ball carrier, so it could be much worse with his situation, but I would like to see Vernon play well. I'd like to see him get in there. Uh, I think, yeah, I think, I think it's coming, but I think he's sort of in the same mold right now as Agnew in just that the game is faster than he expected or faster than he was ready for. Um, I think both of them, I think Agnew, they just are burying right now because they have the ability to, because they can put Clay up there, they can put Fasano up there, whereas Vernon they need. And he was he has to go in because they need the flexibility on the defensive line. But I think both of them, as soon as this game slows down for them, and I mean look how quickly it's starting to slow down for Tannehill. So it could be quick that these two could just suddenly click and suddenly they'll be ready to go. Uh-huh. Uh, somebody brought up the point when they were talking about um, Monte Davis the other day and said that maybe it's not so much Jeff Ireland uh, and the previous regime uh, in their inability to bring in talent, but uh, instead weed the weed the bad guys out. Somebody sorry, uh, I'm trying to do three things at once here. And I'm not the the best multitasker, but the fact that Philbin came in and immediately it seemed like Davis was in that guy's crosshairs right off the bat. Right. So I mean that, that's definitely a part of it. So, uh, 
I just think that uh, I'm looking at this matchup against the, the Jets. And, I mean, their defensive line is really strong at this point. I it is. I think they have Wilkerson and uh, and Bull uh, up on there. Their back seven uh, outside of Revis, uh, I don't think it is it's much much to write home about. I think Cromartie can play well. Yeah. Like the one we have. I mean, Cromartie's going to be a problem. So. Let me go ahead and uh, welcome the Duke in. Chris, how are you tonight? That is ridiculous. Yeah, how are y'all? Good. What'd you say, Keith? That is ridiculous. It's awesome. He's the Duke. He gets trumpets. Are you Have just sad? I... Are you just sad because there's no sound no. for you? I mean, you know what? Duke is uh, that uh, it would be like that soundbite from Escape from New York when uh, Donald Pleasance is like freaking out when he's like shooting that guy. He's like, "I'm the, you're the Duke." <laughs> No one understands what we're talking about right now. Either. No, nobody does. But that's okay. You've seen it. That's all that matters. That's okay. I'm uh, I'm enjoying my pain meds, so it's all good right now. Oh, great. <laughs> for, for those of you that are listening and don't understand, I had surgery this week, so I'm uh, I'm, I'm recovering from that. So, just so you guys have an idea of why I'm on pain meds. But, and Strange says Duke deserves trumpets. That's fine. That's right. I, I can see that you've been going through Sean Payton's personal stash. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it's fun. But, um, so what I mean? Uh, talked, talked a little bit about the Oakland game and Tannehill's development, Reggie Bush. Moved on to the Jets game talking about the passing up against the Jets secondary and then how what are the Jets going to do running the ball against our our front seven and then Keith was just talking about the Jets front seven and are we going to be able to run against them so i think i think the big thing on our rushing attack though is i don't know how you attack it and this was one of the things that when i was talking to Gang Green today i, I I don't know how you attack our running game. I mean, if you try to contain it inside, Bush bounces outside. If you try to contain it outside, Bush somehow finds a hole and slips through on the inside. If you are able to shut down both, that's when you turn to that short screen type passing and give Bush the ball out in space. And obviously, unless you have J.J. Watt, who's batting every single ball down apparently this year, you that's going to be able to let Bush uh, get the ball and make moves and get going. So, yeah, the the Jets' front seven is good, but I think they're still going to be able to find a way to get Bush the ball. Well, I think people heard there's the fact that the Raiders do not suck at stopping the front. There's their front four. Keith, you're breaking up really badly. We're losing you. Well, I can't help where I live. Okay, well, I get, technically you can help where you live. No, <laughs> not really. Not right now. <laughs> you have to you have to pass through the wife, but yeah. 
<laughs> no, uh, what, what I said is that I, the, the Raiders' front four is actually really good at stopping the run. Yep. That's something they excel at. And somebody brought up the fact that, I mean, they knew, I mean, we ran left through, through most of that game. They knew where the ball was going. Yeah. And I think it's I think it's interesting. Uh, the the guy on the front line who's graded the best right now is Pouncey, and the Philbin was talking about him yesterday, I think, and was just talking about how he loves the fact that Pouncey finishes every play. There is not a play where he is not downfield trying to throw a block or running through a guy. And he said most centers. You snap the ball, and they stand their guy up, and that's about it. But with Pouncey, he's hitting the guy and pushing him back and clearing space and making moves. And, I mean, that's that's exciting that your center can do that. And the fact that he is athletic enough to be doing that, goes it kind of does go back to the debate of whether he should have been a guard or a center coming in because he has the athletic ability to pull as a guard – but if you have a center that can do that, that's amazing. Well, that's why you use that high of a pick on him. I mean, you and I have talked about that what like a billion times. Over. Yeah. I mean, that's, oh, yeah. that's come up time and time again. But this is going to sound really strange, uh, but I really believe it. The last regime built offensive line around Jake Long. I really believe ours is built around Tomsey. Yeah. I think I think they want those guys, those athletic guys who finish blocks. I mean, the thing is, I mean, Pouncey's big for a center. I mean, you're not, so, you're not necessarily required to be 6'5 to play that position. In fact, a lot of times they, they prefer to guys to be right in the 6'2", 6'3 range. So, I mean, like, he's a little bit um, off the scale when it comes to height, but I mean, with with the way he moves and uh, is it, uh, his technique at this point, I mean, he's just he's an ideal guy to build around. And I think that's that's something this regime is looking at, and I'm all about that. I mean, I, I, the center is not a position I want to draft at 15 every year. That's yeah. something where it's like do it once, and hopefully don't do it do it again for a really really long time. So. <laughs> Somebody just put up on Twitter. They asked Siri who the worst team in the NFL is right now, and Siri answered, uh, "The Saints." <laughs> That's cool. I like that. <laughs> right. uh, sorry, just randomly reading. But I do. I think I think this week is going to be a big one for the Dolphins because a lot of people still expect the Jets to be better than the Dolphins, and I think this will be a week that if the Dolphins can go out and perform even partly like they did against the Raiders people may actually start to realize that there's talent here. It's not a fluke what they did to the Raiders, and they can't go with the, oh, it was a short week, or the, oh, it was the West Coast to East Coast game. It is a division rival, and if we can step up and smack them in the mouth, we might be able to get some respect for once. Well, this this group has confidence now. They do. You know? I mean, and I would actually argue that they had confidence leaving Houston as well, because I mean, they, yeah. the offense started with a bang last yep. week, and that's one of the things I like about Tannehill. He went out and he didn't look like a guy who just thrown three interceptions and 
was tossed around like a rag doll for for the better part of a in an entire game. I mean, he looked like he was going to go out there and just annihilate that team. And that's no. one of the things that Philbin was saying this week was that he he likes the fact that they've had those moments and uh, Tannehill has had to step up and battle through them and have adversity already. It hasn't been easy for him. And it's a great point. I mean, RG3 went out there in week one, and everything he wanted to have happen happened. So he didn't have to battle. And while I don't think he's going to fall apart if he has to battle, we don't know what he's going to look like when he has to battle. Ryan Tannehill went out there, threw three interceptions, was still in the game, was still fighting, came back the next week and tore down the field in the first thing, then went down, the the offense kept uh, stalling and kept stalling, and then finally, once it started clicking, he was on. And once he figured out that, hey, Brian Hartline's here to play this week, he knew exactly what he was doing with the ball. And I like the way he steps up in the pocket. He looks poised. He looks good. Now, is he going to get rattled at times? Sure. And is just being poised in the pocket going to be the answer all the time? No. But the fact that as a rookie, he's standing up in that pocket, shifting a little bit, trying to avoid sacks, it's it's impressive. I like what I'm seeing out of Tannehill right now. He handles pressure well, too. He does. That guy's not, not afraid to take a lick. I think one of, one of the most important things about that Raiders game that I took away was uh, this team has an identity on offense, uh, finally, and it's not based around like, the freaking Wildcat. Right. Or any, or any crap like that, or, you know, we're going to run the ball or whatever. I mean, like, this is a this is a West Coast scheme that's developing. And, I mean, like, it's still in the early parts. But the thing you can take away from all this is as these guys continue to add talent at the receiver position, uh, the nucleus they nucleus uh, they build around is going to be best in Heartline, and that's important. I mean, you're not you're not necessarily starting from scratch. I mean, you have right. a lot to build on. So, I mean, they, but they that offense really impressed me, and I mean, like it's I mean it, it's beatable. Still, their de- their defenses we'll see this here. They're going to be lo- looking to to seize that that opportunity to really eat up the cushion. On Dolphins receivers and get oh, yeah. Hill safe. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna you know look for ways to. They want to if they get him out of the pocket, they want him to make mistakes. The great thing about Tannehill is that guy just throws unbelievably accurately on the run. He does. And I mean, there's that. One. There, oh, go ahead. He he hasn't proven anything yet. I mean, in the eyes of the league, he hasn't proven anything yet. So they're all going to test him. They're all going to try to blitz him. They're all going to try to change things up. I mean, if you saw what the Falcons were doing to Peyton Manning, I mean, that was incredible. Nine, ten people up in the box, and suddenly they'd be breaking out into cover two, cover three, and it was like, what on earth is going on? And that's trying to do that to Peyton Manning, a four-time league MVP. It's not going to take nearly that to try to confuse a rookie. So, and the Jets love to try to confuse people. So, I would expect them to be, we'll say, entertaining with their packages on defense to try to confuse a Tannehill and try to get him out of rhythm. But Chris, you want to weigh in on Tannehill? Um, 
you know, I, I agree with what you're saying there. I think what's going to benefit Tannehill more than more than anything is the fact that it, you can't – our offense, if he gets going, our offense is two-dimensional. And you can't you can't crowd the box because if you do, you can't break into these, you know, exotic coverages and blitzes and stuff. If you drop back into those, well, we're going to, you know, Reggie Bush is going to get seven or eight yards on you before you know it. So I think, you know, as long as our running game keeps up with the way it's going, if we can continue at that level, that's going to make it so much easier for Tannehill just because that is going to put so much pressure on defenses because you're going to say, all right, we're going to drop into this, you know, exotic whatever defense and, you know, freak him out. Well, then we'll just start handing the ball off and then we'll run it over him like we did on Oakland. If they start crowding the box, then they can't drop into those coverages. And Tannehill's hitting those out routes to Harline and finding Bess and Pisano across the middle and stuff like that. So, and I think when Armstrong gets back, that's going to help a little bit more because he can be that deep threat that can get up and downfield and keep those safeties out from the middle of the field. And I think that that might have been, you know, to some degree, what was, I think what was wrong with Bess this week is why he didn't get up as much is because there wasn't anybody out there on the field that could make those safeties, you know drop back and cover so I think that's one right. of Tannehill is, is the fact that we're running as well as we are yeah uh, let's go ahead and welcome in uh, Jason who wants to talk some Dolphin stuff Jason how are you tonight good good uh, I don't really listen to a whole lot I'm kind of on the road right now but I wanted to call in and, and get my two cents on what's going on sure. so uh yeah, um, I heard you guys talking a little bit about what we need to do this week. Um, I think we're going to have to run the ball. We're going to have to show that our offensive line can run the ball. I think our offensive line dominated last week. I think we can dominate the Jets on the offensive line this week. And I think once we do that, it opens up a whole lot of other things. Um, that's the key for us. we got to run the ball first. I, th- I think you're right. I think it's a matter of figuring out where the holes are going to be. And that 65-yard run last week, I mean, it was Jason – or Jason. It was uh, Jake Long who pointed out, hey, we can run it up this hole. Every yeah, time they go into was, this even formation. Even though they were, they were hitting that, that – uh, they were shooting the gap, he's like, you know what? We can still do it. Yeah. It's – it is. It's going to be uh, – it's going to be critical that we get the running game started early because if we don't, they're going to press and they're going to blitz and they're going to try to force Tannehill to make decisions that they don't want Tannehill to have to make. And we're paying a lot for our offensive linemen. I do not feel bad about having them beat on the Jets' defense for a while. Yeah. And then having Reggie Bush, Lamar Miller running the ball, Maybe throw a couple to Lane just to get him out on that on those corners and just punish them too. I love Dvorsky Lane, by the way. I do. I think he's there are plenty. I, I watched that game from last week a few times, and uh, he just looks like he's he's been with the team forever. I mean, he's a gamer. Yeah. I mean, thank God that the Lamar Miller block or the Lamar Miller touchdown, he was right in there. So I mean that guy's a that guy could become a real asset for us. 
I mean, we we're still caught up with uh, the shortcomings of the receiver core right now, but uh, I think Jaborski Lane. I, what is it? Philbin said that that guy has more ability than uh, Coon from Green Bay, and look how they yep. use him. So I mean, obviously, yeah, yeah. I think he's a difference maker. Yeah, I think he's going to be. I think both yeah. as a lead blocker, and then he's already shown he has the hands to be able to go out into. Um, into routes and make catches, so I think he's going to be a weapon that we're going to see develop more and more throughout the year. Yeah, he's a and load. And I think the thing that he does well is he's not only big, but he knows how to use it on the edge. You know, we've had a lot of big guys that would get out on the edge and would try to dance with a cornerback, and he knows, you know what, go low. I'm still going to whip your butt, and that's what he like. The one, the guy was lower than him. And he should have lost that. He should have lost that, but he's just so powerful that it didn't matter. Normally the lowest guy wins. The guy that gets the lowest wins. But he won that still. And leveled the guy. Yep. Yeah. he, he, He will be fun to watch all year going to be an yeah, integral part of our right. offense before it's over, I think. I think yeah. that, that guy's a major cog right now. And, I think and it's, funny, it's funny because, what, six months ago we were talking about how why do we even need a fullback and that um, the fullback is no longer a part of the NFL offenses, and now we're absolutely in love with Jaborski Lane. Yeah. yeah. Playmakers are always, always, always needed. Yep. And it doesn't matter what, what you call a guy. Um, but guys that make plays will always, always be needed. You know, a few years ago, tight end? What the heck? What are you going to do with a tight end? Well, yeah. you get these guys that are just ridiculous athletes. And anytime you get a ridiculous athlete or somebody that's a mismatch against everyone else in the league, they're going to be dominant and it's going to change the game. And that's what we're seeing with lane a little bit, and that's what we've seen the past few years with tight ends to the same, you know, same degree. When you don't know what to do with a guy, I remember Jason Taylor, same thing. Yeah, He was an undersized defensive end. But yep. he and was a whole lot faster than the other ones out there. Zach Thomas was the same way. He's undersized to be yeah. a linebacker. He wouldn't succeed in the league. And he, he did pretty well for himself. But, yeah. Jason, thanks for calling in tonight. No problem. You have a good night. Thanks for listening. All right. Bye. Bye. Later. And uh, we can go ahead and let the show get taken over for a little while because we can uh, go ahead and welcome in Ohio. How are you tonight? Hey, how are you guys? Doing well. Thanks for calling. Hey, no worries, man. (laughs) Who would have thought that we would have beat up on the Raiders like we did? Yeah. Especially uh... After the debacle in uh, Houston, and then the way the first half was playing out, and then the, the, the catch fire like that, oh, that was amazing. It was it was nice. It was definitely nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. And man, and then to only follow that up with Jets Week, uh, I tell you what, I'm fired up. I am losing my mind. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you in Ohio oh, right now? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah, I'm losing my. Well, you know, I'm just I'm excited, man. Like I said in that post, my, uh, you know, it's always 
the beginning of the season is always a little weird for me. It's, you know, I get so excited, but it's like a, a, I got to kind of tether it because, you know, my blast off isn't, you know, my first game is a Cincy game, you know, so I'm gearing up for that. And, you know, I got a million things going on back here at home that I really didn't want to become the organizer of this, but there was no tickets. I, I had bought the tickets to the New York game I'm going to. There was no way, you know, it was just kind of like a dog chasing his tail. So I just picked up the ball and said, all right, I'll I'll organize the group. And uh, right now I got cash in hand for 28 tickets sitting in my, you know, that I'm going to purchase this weekend. And, man, I can't imagine how many people are going to show up at the tailgate. I, I bet it gets up there. I bet we have a grand old time in Cincy. <laughs> so, you know, I'm just trying to contain myself. You know, yeah, you're so. uh you're definitely having some fun on the site lately between uh yeah. between that and DCC money. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, you know what? I, I you know, I don't know that I'll ever make that 10 grand mark. You know, but if you can't dream about it, if you don't have a dream, if you don't oh, have yeah. a goal, you'll never reach it. So I mean, hey, and you know, I'm humbled by every dollar that I get. I truly am. I truly appreciate it. And if I don't raise another dollar, I've made my goal. I've done, I'm there, but I, but I want to try to get the ten grand, and I want to you know for sure beat the thirty two hundred I did uh, I got last year, and you know I, I I'll never believe I you'll never convince me that the people here at the Finsider couldn't that somebody couldn't get ten grand out of them. Yeah. I believe that. I mean I believe that the Finsider can generate ten grand for the DCC. I never was a big charity guy, you know, and and. You know, the Dolphins, for me, give me a lot of pleasure. I've always been a, 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 a recreational athlete all my life. You know, hockey ever since I was a little kid, you know, different things. And I get involved in the biking, and then I decide to get involved in, in the, the road biking. And I tell you what, I'm going to I'm gonna show up down in Florida a whole different animal than what I showed up years past. I'm, uh, <laughs> I, left, I left Florida literally fat and fucking happy. I mean, I was, I blew up, you know, at 220 pounds, which was my weight in my college years, I thought I need to shed a few pounds. And I go, well, I carry it well. I'm big, I'm broad-shouldered, you know, I can carry that. And, you know, it creeps up to 230. Man, I left Florida after winning that contest. I got on this guy says, 240, hello, Humpty Dumpty. Get on that bike. You own a bike, you know. I mean, I got some pictures of me that I'm like, I don't remember eating that beach ball. I'm like, what the hell? You know, I go, if, uh, if you guys don't you know, know the DCC is the Dolphin Cycling Challenge. It's an annual event where it's a two-day event. You can either do one day of biking or you can do the full two days like Griffin does. You Basically, it's a tour around the three counties around Dolphin Stadium, go around bicycle, uh, road biking, trying to raise money for charity. And it all goes to cancer research and trying to find a way to beat cancer. So it's a good cause. Um, you can go to ridedcc.com or .org, Griffin? Uh, I believe it's .com. Okay. Ridedcc.com. And then uh, do a search for Griffin Van Nest in the uh, rider search, 
You can donate money in his name. You can go in there and donate money under anybody's name. Um, they usually have a writer or two on the front page that are like Zach Thomas wrote in it last year. I'm sure he's probably writing in it again this year. Things like that that you could donate to them instead of Griffin. But any way that you want to try to support, if you can, please do. It's a good cause. And if you want to give it under Griffin, he'll uh, be very appreciative and he'll be out there riding both days, 170. Is it 170 miles? Yep, that's correct. 100 yeah. the first day and 70 the return. So. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I, I got to tell you, wait till you guys get a load of, of how I upgraded the bike and uh, my 2012 Century uniform unveil. Uh, I'm going so for we nothing be less. Scared. Than the, I'm going. I'm going. I'm going for nothing less than to uh, shock and awe campaign. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know it's a. Cha- I know it's a charity ride, but I'm going to ride that bike like a rape tape. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, I know. That's what she said. That's what she. It seems to me I had another thought in my head. Didn't I? Didn't want to get off on the DCC tangent. I don't know. I don't know. There's another thought in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, Kevin! You you, you jumped in and you did the BCC uh, PSA there, and you threw me off my game. I'm good at that. Yeah, well, I don't know, I don't know, but uh, hey, man, uh, the jet—that's a you know. The, let me just anybody who's listening, who's down there locally in Florida, get out of your seats and make some noise. You see a Jets fan, stare them down, make them feel uncomfortable. You know, don't get in any trouble, but just give them this fucking stink eye, you know. Let them know they're not welcome there. You know, now, again, let's let's be a good sport because I know I'm going down to Cincinnati and I'm going to New York. So, I mean, but, hey, I mean, they give me the stink eye, so let's give it right back to them, you know. <laughs> um, you know, I guess that, that that's my plea for the Finsiders. Any Finsiders going to the game, Let's take back home field advantage, man. And and you know we're coming off a win. If we can just if we can beat the Jets, man, that's gonna that's gonna fire up the fan base. Yeah. You know we go then we go off to uh, Arizona, man. If we can be rough, I tell you what. If we roll into Cincinnati at three and one, oh my God, I I I, I, I don't know what I don't I don't know what to expect of me. <laughs> I really don't. You know, but. Uh, it's going to be a that's that's going to be an amazing weekend. It's going to be a, you know one you know like somebody else alluded to. There's going to be mistakes. There's going to be ups and downs. I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm riding high off this victory, but you know it can all be taken away just that easy. I mean it's one game at a time, and boy would I wouldn't give to be two and one after this weekend. Right. So we'll we'll just see we'll just see, man. You know and then you know. I'm still waiting for that multiple TD game out of Tannehill. I'm, I'm hoping for it, man. I'm hoping for it. And, and you know what? If it doesn't come against the Jets in their secondary and we got another big game out of – I don't care how we win as long as we win. I mean, sure, I wish Tannehill yeah. gets off and has a great game and has one of those monster statistic games, but I'm not going to cry if Reggie Bush runs for another couple hundred yards. Shoot. Anyways, man, I could talk all day. I'm super jacked up about this season. I got some uh, some posts coming up. Uh, I'm sure the Cincinnati stuff will be amazing. I'm going to bust out Mini Marino and give him a DCC break. 
because we're going to do the tourist uh, stuff in New York for the five days leading up to the Jets game. So I'm sure I'll Good. get him in some compromising positions. <laughs> and, uh, you know, any I'll do anything for a laugh and I'll do anything for a buck. Oh, and one other thing. Did you guys see on the site when I posted on that post, the one guy commented on the picture where I'm holding up uh, the program. He says, hey, man, I'm in the program right there underneath your picture. And, you know, I had been in his situation before where I had been in a program, but I didn't attend the game, and people let me know about it, and I couldn't get the program. Just so happens, now i got a buddy down there who's on the lookout for these, and if I'm not there and I'm in the program, he sends me a couple copies. So this guy contacts me says, hey, I'm in that program too, but I'm in, I don't know where he's at, Massachusetts or somewhere, somewhere up north. I said, yeah, buddy, I got an extra copy. Email me, so I'm going to send him off a nice email or uh, send him off that other copy, and hopefully he'll uh, make good on the DCC. He said he, he would, and hey, man, you know, and, and let me just say this. I thank you guys for all the support that you've given me. It really means a lot to me, and, you know, sometimes I get discouraged because my needle doesn't move, and I go, gosh, you know, I, I think I could do more as far as, you know, raising funds, but. I've already made my number. You know, yeah, I'd like to make more, but I'm humbled by anything. And, and anything you guys want to continue to, to give and support, $1, man, that's all I want is $1 per, per member if you can handle it. If not, it's all good, too, man. We're all we're all family here, and, and certainly at the end of the day, I've done more than what I've ever expected I would do. And uh, I'm sure it's more what the Dolphins expected what I would do up here in Ohio. So, that's it, man. You guys have a great show, and I'll be talking to you hey, real hey, soon. Hey, Ohio. Thanks. Yeah. Hey, before you go, speaking of making the program, I was rewatching the game on the DVR uh, the other night, and they had a little uh-huh. montage before the game of different, you know, Oakland, Miami, things like that. And then they show a, a little, quick little blurb of the fans, and I thought, wait a minute, and I went back and paused, and you are front and center in that montage, so. Okay, you well, hey, uh, uh, well, do this. I, I, you know, get it, get it. Can you get it on a picture and put it on a fan shot? Uh, I don't know, but I can probably take a a, a picture with my camera and send it. <laughs> That's about as good well, as I can get. But I just, I've seen, it was I've a little seen montage. people. Be, well, I don't have it yeah, DVR, but the, well, and you ahead. know, truth be told, I need to see my picture and I need to see my face in another picture. Dolph or later, like I need a hole in my head. I mean. It really was a rarity at first, and now it becomes common, you know. But again, I don't want to take any of that for granted, man. I love it. it it's a, it's a, it's an honor to be, you know, one of these big dolphin fans that gets a lot of notoriety, and I'm humbled by it. And whenever I go to anything, man, I always kind of keep in the back of my mind that, you know, not only am I representing myself, but I'm representing the fa- the fans here in Toledo. I'm re- representing all the fans, you know, on the Finn side, or I'm representing all the people that I run with in the deep end, you know, so, you know, I don't take it for granted, and, and that's a big part of my motivation for doing these kind of dolphin lifestyle posts, I guess is what I'll call them, is, you know, I want to share that stuff with the people that aren't around that don't have these opportunities that have that have came my way, and, and you know, and, you know, I, I, I get a kick out of it, and I get a kick out of the comments, and, oh, that, that was my thought, Kevin, that was my Uh-oh. thought, I got it. I'm ready. Here, <laughs> I, I challenge you guys out there in Finsider land to go to the DCC, go to my rider page, and if you can't give a dime, if you can't give a dollar, hey, man, like I say, I ain't going to sweat it. But just read the comments. 
in in what people read or wrote when when they donated. You know, I do that from time to time. I just kind of look at it and read it, and it's real inspirational for me. It motivates me, man. And again, I, I just I, I want to thank you guys, and and I know I'll get some more donations. And uh, you know, it just means a lot to me. Uh, you know, I'm in healthcare. I see the pain and suffering, and it sucks balls, man. It really does. You don't like to see another human suffer and their family suffer. So I'm the lucky one. I'm healthy. I can do it. You know, I can go to the games and cheer for the Dolphin. There's a Dolphin fan somewhere that's suffering, you know, and it ain't me. And so I'm going to ride with, with, with them in mind, man. When I ride, I ride with, you know, to say, hey, man, we can fight together. We can We can push through this, so. Blah blah blah. Get out the go. Go get your Kleenex out and cry. Get a big cry in, and uh, go Dolphins. Go Dolphins. Thanks for calling in, Ohio. Hey, right on, man. Thanks for having me. You have a good night. All right, you too. <sighs> Love when he calls in. Kind of uh, <laughs> ups our PG rating a little bit, but uh, <laughs> he makes it fun. But. Yeah, I want to say something about Tannehill, and I thought about this the other day. I know when we were in the off season before we drafted him, and we were, you know, looking at getting a quarterback and all that. You know, Omar Kelly would get on Twitter and he would talk about you want a quarterback that can kill, and you know, what he's talking a guy that can put away games, not you know, not just play the you know protect the lead, but go out there and put another team away, step on their throat. And as I was rewatching this game, I look at that drive where uh, Tannehill threw his first touchdown pass. You know, it was twenty-one to thirteen. Oakland's only down by one, one, one score, and Tannehill just completely assassinates them on that drive. They actually did a decent job bottling up the run on that drive for the most part. Tannehill threw darts to Hartline, Beth, everybody, and to me, I was like. I didn't think of it at the time. I was thinking about it a little later. I was like, man, that's what Lamar was talking about. He just killed the Raiders. Yeah. The game was over at that point. We knew we were winning. And that got me more excited than anything else. I think I was working. I was sitting at my desk. I just started smiling. I was like, that was awesome because, you know, that's something we haven't seen in Miami for so long. You know, we'd have whoever was back there just, you know, they were – we'd run the ball and then go three and out and punt and hope our defense could handle it. No, this was a guy, you know, Poised under center, stepping back, throwing the ball wherever he wanted, just making completion after completion, scoring a touchdown like, you know, like the best. And that just was awesome to me. Yeah, Tannehill does. He he throws some really good balls. And, yeah, he when he took over that game, and granted, Bush was still carrying the team, but when Tannehill took over and showed what he could be, yeah, it it was it, that game was over. But uh take a minute before we keep going, a couple admin things I guess for the site. First one is just a reminder, 24 hours, a little less than 24 hours now till kickoff for Thursday night football. Um with the kickoff Thursday night football is the end of your chance to win an autographed copy of Perfection by Bob Greasy. Um got it from the publisher, so if you Want a chance to win it? All you have to do is sign up for Pick 6, SB Nation's fantasy football game, uh, and make 
Finsider, your home blog, when you sign up. And everybody that's on the leaderboard, I will randomly choose somebody to send out a copy of the book to. The other thing is we've been hinting at it for a while, and tomorrow morning or maybe tomorrow afternoon, depending on when I put, get it up, um, you'll get to see some of the big changes that are coming to the site. But uh, myself, Keith, Chris, uh, James, all the contributors on the site have gotten a chance to play with what the Finsider is going to look like here shortly. And uh, it's it's going to be a huge change, but it's going to be an awesome change, and it's going to do some great things for the site. So be on the lookout for that tomorrow. Um, these guys don't know that I can post it yet, so they uh, they they're they're learning about it right now as I say it too. But you'll be able to see tomorrow what the Finsider is going to look like soon. So it, it's going to be great things. So the the new logo and everything will be incorporated. So have you guys gotten to play with it yet? No, not yet. Really no, I don't either. No. Oh. When you get in there and look at it, it's going to be awesome. It it it's a lot of fun. So, look, be on the lookout for it tomorrow tomorrow sometime, guys, and uh we'll have some screenshots that will show you what we'll be able to look at or what we'll be looking towards in the future. So, okay, back to Dolphins football. Um Jets game is exciting to me. I'm 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 really excited about this. Not just because of the Jets, because I hate the Jets. I, I despise the Jets. But I, I'm really looking forward to this game because I do. I think this is going to be the moment that the Dolphins can take center stage and go, Hey look, we're not as bad as you all think we were. I think, uh, well, one thing is, I can't wait to watch that offense play again. It's been forever since I felt that way about the Dolphins, but, I mean, I can't wait from that game last Sunday thinking, I can't wait to watch those guys play again. I mean, it was that kind of feeling. I mean, there's there's going to be some differences here. I mean, the Oakland's corners, really bad, you know. I mean, those those guys struggled the entire game. It's I mean, the there, there's going to be a big difference between Oakland and uh New York secondary, but uh, another thing is Oakland's linebackers are far and away uh, better than what New York has to offer. I mean, different scheme, different different looks and whatnot, but um, there's gonna there's certainly a lot of give and take with these games. I'm just I can't wait to watch it guys play. Uh, I'm excited. I'd like to see Tannehill uh, build on what he did last week. I mean, he's not gonna win every week. He, I mean, we, we've talked about it time and time again. He's gonna struggle. There are things that are going to come up that the shortcomings of a receiver core are going to haunt us at times. But I'm just looking for him to battle and just build on what he does every week. Because I think he, he he's right now he's just as good as, as Luck and he's just as good as Griffin. There are things that he does that those guys don't do as well, just like there are things they do. That, I mean, like no one throws the ball as, as well as Robert Griffin right now. I mean, you saw that in that St. Louis game, that one that he, he threw to Hankerson. Right. I mean that that ball. I mean that's right in the bucket. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, and there's uh, a lot that I mean, watch just his overall command of the of the pro the pro offense and his accuracy and the the way he stands in the pocket is just is unbelievable. But I mean, there's there's things that Tannehill does better than those guys too. So I mean, it's 
it's a real treat to watch that guy play every week and grow every week as a as a player, as a leader. And that's something that's an important thing too that really came up. You can see that he's I mean, that that team is really starting to to rally around him. Like when when he's back there, it's it's not so much that he's the rookie quarterback who has to prove himself. It's hey, that's your guy. I mean, yeah. He he's the one you're depending on now. I mean, there's your. I mean, that guy's the the linchpin for a lot of this stuff. So, I mean, it's exciting. There's a lot of work to be done in this team. But I will say that once they add to the receiver core, this is going to be a complete offense. It will be run the yes. ball. Run, run the ball every which way. I mean, run the ball power, go ahead and uh, move the ball efficiently. I mean, if it's Bush or Miller or Divorcee Lane or Daniel Thomas running the ball or running back X or whoever's back there. And then one, if they can really get a, a receiver core, uh, a couple of guys in there with really good hands who can create after the catch, uh, now you're talking. And I think that's I think that's one thing that we as Dolphin fans need to think, need to look at and realize is – we just went from a ground-and-pound, power-running offense to a West Coast offense. And you're going to have a ton of turnover when you turn over a coach. It's what happens. We seem to, have, we seem to want to uh, forget that we changed coaches. We look at, okay, we had success at the end of last year. Why aren't we having success right away this year? And it's because we fired the coach, we changed everything. But the fact that our offense is that close that, yes, our wide receivers came into this season with a bunch of no-names that we're hoping could step up. But the fact that we are that close that with the addition of a couple of wide receivers, this offense could be scary because the offensive line looks good. The running backs look good. We have the quarterback now. We have tight ends. And if Michael Agnew can develop, we really have tight ends. So – all we're looking for are wide receivers. And we have Bess, who will be a great slot receiver if he can get some complimentary guys outside. We have Hartline, who will be a great complimentary wide receiver when he's not asked to be the guy. So all we're looking for is somebody to be the guy. And it doesn't have to be the guy as in uh, Brandon Marshall or Calvin Johnson or Andre Johnson. It doesn't have to be that kind of the guy. It just needs to be a number one receiver. It needs to be somebody who can go out there and reliably catch the ball. And, I mean, yeah. look at Brandon Marshall. We're not even sure he can reliably catch the ball. No, he murdered the Bears on that. I mean, that could have yeah. been a real game changer. Been not surprised at all. I mean, obviously, I live I live in Chicago. I was I was at the bar watching that game, and it's just uh, same old, same old uh, news with that guy. Um, right. But you're right. The, the nice thing about running this West Coast offense is you don't have to use a first round pick on that big that big time receiver. You yep. you don't have to do that. We were talking about those those guys from West Virginia that you're really high on. And I mean I am too. I mean you can get those guys in the in the second, maybe even the third round for some of them. But I mean and those are the guys where I mean you're not looking for one or two big names. You're looking for the guys who uh were they really even things out. It's almost like a seesaw, and suddenly instead of having a few really good receivers and a few decent ones, everyone's capable out there. So some right. maybe more than others. I mean, some are faster, but you have three or four guys out there who can all uh, effectively and efficiently run routes, get open, catch the ball, and create after the catch. 
That's what you're looking for. You want that quality. I should say you want those qualities in every receiver you put out there. Yep. So, but you don't have let's, let's go ahead and welcome Dolphin Fan for Life onto the show. Chris, how are you tonight? Hello. I'm all right. And you? Good. Thanks. Welcome to the show. What's up? What's on your mind? Um, a couple quick questions. Uh, one has to do with uh, pretty much what y'all were talking about, the state of the franchise. I mean, Heartline, well, Heartline really outdid himself for being a guy that spent all off-season off-injured reserve. And um, it, it, it just seems to me like, you know, people are underestimating the team, so to speak. But uh, the one thing that caught my eye about last week is basically I think we were the only team from the AFC East that won. Um, the, Bills. the Bills won, too. Oh, the Bills won, too? Yeah. Oh, um, well, either way, I mean. Everybody's a lot of, one now. Yeah, there's a lot of similarities that I see, like, you remember we were a powerhouse in the 90s, and then, like, changing of the guard, poof, you know. Yep. I mean, you had Buffalo and everything else. But do you really think that it's, like, time that, I mean, it, there's just so many similarities. Like, the offensive line was where we really took a crash at. Once we started losing key pieces there, Marino got up in age, things like that. Um, there's just so many similarities. Do you think that it's time that it's pretty much now is the time that we're going to start seeing the changing of the guard where New England isn't the guaranteed, you know, playoff yeah, I think I think you're going to start to see New England come down. I don't think um, Buffalo, New York, or the Dolphins are there yet. But I think New England is going to start to come down just because Brady is getting older. And that team, I mean, they every few years they seem to completely change their philosophy. And it's worked for them. But eventually they're going to come down. And with the young quarterbacks coming into the league, especially like Tannehill, you're going to see some other teams start to develop into those top teams. And that's the track we're on right now, as long as we stay with it and as long as Tannehill develops like we all hope he does. Um, I think Sanchez Sanchez could still develop some, but I think you're almost to the point that you know what you have with Sanchez. Fitzpatrick is just strange because one week he'll look great and the next week he'll look like somebody that you don't want starting for your team. So it goes back and forth with him. So I, I do. I think that right now, most likely, we're the ones set up to develop into that powerhouse in the AFC East. Could the Jets do it? Yes. Could Buffalo do it? They could. I think the Jets are more likely to do it. And then the Patriots, it's all going to de depend on what they have in their backup quarterbacks for when Brady does finally retire. So... Yes, I, I think that I think we are getting close to that point where Marino is getting older and stepping down, and um, Jim Kelly is getting older and stepping down, and you're going to see turnover in the AFC East again. 
<clears throat> and the second question I have, um, all right, we we see the headlines, Fronte Davis playing like poop. <laughs> um, Brandon Marshall back to dropping passes again. You know, all this criticism about, you know, Ireland this, Ireland that, fire Ireland, let's let's wave another banner across the sky. <laughs> Do you really think, judging by these moves, I mean, okay, Nene, I have a whole theory about that anyways, and, you know, you're not exactly looking at one-year contracts as people that you're trying to sign long-term. Right to build around, you know, a lot of these moves that he's getting bashed on, I see is just like, you know, when 2007 passed and changing of the guard, then we had all this turnover. Well, we had to have all this turnover, and you had to see things like Bill Wilson get signed to three, four-year deals, and, yeah. you know, I mean, you, you're changing right. the culture, but at that point, you're changing everything, so you can't fill everything all at once. But, I mean, does he actually deserve more credit than he's given? And it, is it safe to say that we might actually have a halfway decent GM right now? This goes back to what I was saying earlier. I mean, having Philbin on the other side of it is a big deal because you had the this, I mean, Philbin's also an evaluator of talent, as is Sherman. I mean, Sherman was a, I'm fairly certain Sherman was the GM for a while in Green Bay as well. He was, yeah. So, so you have you have all these evaluators of talent, and suddenly these guys are working together. You know, it's almost like a system of checks and balances in a lot of ways. And, I mean, I, I, I feel confident saying, I, I mean, there's no way uh Ireland is confident in uh, in taking Tannehill unless Sherman's there in his ear saying, yeah, absolutely do it. I mean, I'm sure I, Ireland could be telling the truth when he says that he's been, he's been watching them since uh, fall 2010, whatever. But, I mean, like the Vontae Davis thing, I mean, he had a lot of people complaining about that. And the bottom line is if Vontae Davis ever reaches a point where he uh, matures and realizes his full potential, that's great. But it was never going to happen in Miami. Yep. It, I mean, it, the way you look at it, it's sunk cost. If it happens elsewhere, it'll happen. But it's not going to happen here. And all you're doing is sitting on that guy, and then you lose out. Cause, I mean, you, you're not going to resign him. So he's gone, yeah. and, I mean, now you have nothing to show for it. We used the 25th pick on that guy. I don't know what kind of second-round pick we're going to get uh, in exchange for him. Hopefully higher. But... Uh, I'd, I'd say that the value is definitely there. It, it should be close. So uh, Ireland's done a lot of stupid things, and, he, and he's made some good decisions this year. So, I mean, that's why, I mean, calling for his head right now is, is pointless, in, yep. in my opinion, because what he's trying to do is put a roster together with, I'd like to think, Philbin and Sherman's input. I mean, that's I think that's why you, you see Ryan Tannehill wearing a, a number seventeen Dolphins jersey right now. Yeah, um, I think that's I think that's the key is that we keep everybody keeps looking at the sum of everything that uh that Ireland has done in five years of being with the Dolphins. But first 
and it's the argument that everybody has because nobody can say for sure. So half the people want to say you can't say, you can't take into account anything that Ireland did while um, Parcells was here, and the other half say, well, he held the position, so you have to account for him as the GM, even though Parcells has already come out and said that he's over he's overruled him on some decision. So. Either way, you have to go with clean slate as of two years ago and see what Ireland has done in these two years. The other argument you're going to have is even in trading guys like Vontae and Marshall, you're going to have people that say, well, that was just Ireland fixing his mistakes. But it wasn't really. It was Ireland fixing mistakes of the last coaching regime because – I don't care where you are. The GM does not pick people simply because he feels like this is a great guy. Oh, this is going to be a stud, so I'm going to pick him, and the coach has to figure out how to use him. The GM, if he's a good GM, is turning to the coach and going, okay, what type of players do you want? Okay, I can get you this player. What do you, what do you think of him? And getting input from the coaches. So under, The whole reason why you have a war room. Exactly. So under Sperano, he's getting, hey, what do you want? Oh, you want a guy like Brandon Marshall. Okay, I can go get Brandon Marshall. What do you want to draft? Oh, you want a cornerback. Okay, well, I can get you this guy in the first round and turn around in the second round and get you this guy. So the coach is having a lot of input. Now you change coaches. The new coach comes in and goes, I don't want that guy. I don't want that guy. What is the GM supposed to do? Say, no, I picked him, so you're stuck with him? No, the GM is going to turn around and go, okay, let me see what I can do. And he's going to try to work out deals the best he can get. Is he going to get a first-round pick from Vontae Davis? No. There's no way in hell anybody's giving him a first-round pick for Vontae Davis. I'm surprised he got a second. (laughs) But the fact that he could hold on and work it down to a second is pretty impressive. So, sure, there's there's mistakes that Ireland has made. I mean – Granted, look at somebody like Colombo. There's no way that he should have signed Colombo. But that goes back to Sperano. I'm sure Sperano went, you know what? I, I coached that guy. I know him. I'm an offensive line guru. Get me Colombo. And Ireland got him Colombo. But we all saw how that worked out. That guy's destroying the line, by the way. Yes. And the fact that they, they targeted Jason Smith, because when that happened, I was like, what the hell? Why would you want that guy? And then I thought about it, and I was like, oh, right, of course, Toronto's there. Yes. Stupid yes. me. Forgot about that. No, no, I actually, I absolutely agree that this has been a grand purging process, but I really think we have great evaluators of talent here right now. I yep. think Philbin's a great evaluator of talent. I think Sherman's a great evaluator of talent. And I think Ireland can be a great evaluator of talent, too. And the and uh, Kevin's totally right. The fact that he got anywhere in the ballpark of a first for Vontae Davis is a mind-blower. Yeah. Because, I mean, he, I mean the, guy's a, the guy's a man-child. I mean, and it's too bad because I remember uh, I'm, Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay do that first draft thing every spring where they just sit there and pretty much bitch at each other right. for an hour talking about draft stuff. And I remember Vontae Davis came up. And this, was, this was obviously 2009. And this is when his stock started to fall a little bit. I don't know if you remember. A lot of people thought he was going number 14 to New Orleans. And Kuiper wasn't wasn't really high 
on Vontae Davis. He said he had talked to a lot of GMs, and a lot of them said at the time they wouldn't take Vontae Davis in the first four rounds. And I remember thinking at the time, well, all right, so that immediately puts him at boom or bust because he's either going to come in and realize his potential and mature and not be the kind of guy that uh, coaches at Illinois said that he was or he's going to continue that trend. And the upsetting thing is there were times where you really thought Monte Davis was getting it together. I mean, he seemed like when he came into uh, camp in 2009, I mean, like he was so eager. I remember like he was, he was hitting people when they were still wearing shorts and practice and whatnot. Right. So uh, it, it's too bad because, I mean, I, I live in Illinois. I, for some reason, just uh, watching him play in Illinois, I remember thinking, man, it would be great for the Dolphins to get a corner with this with uh, this type of ability. But it just never it's, – it's like the, the potential never agreed with the brain. Because I don't think he's yeah. stupid. I think his wonder his wonderlick score was insanely high, if I remember. So he's got to have some common sense in there. It's just it, there's like a, a a bad wire or something. He's just yeah. He's just immature. He 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 still wants to be that college kid having fun. And unfortunately, he's now what three years out of college, and it's not working now. So, but. Anyway, Dolphin Fan for Life, thank you for calling in tonight. Mm-hmm. You no have a problem. good night. You too. I think um, part of the issue with the whole Ireland deal that he was talking about is I think it, it boils down to a couple of things. One is you've got people who just think that you can trade anybody for anything. I had a guy a couple of years ago on the site tell me that he was he thought we should trade Vernon Carey for a second-round pick. And he we argued, like, three or four paragraphs that yeah. that he thinks he could get a second-round pick for Vernon Carey. And this was, I think, was the year before they made him a guard. So, you know, people think, well, we got two third rounds for Marshall. He's worth, you know, a whole lot more than that. Maybe he's not. What if that was the best deal they could get? Exactly. And it comes down to that. I think you've also got people who just they feed off of the media so much. So you've got people say, oh, Miami just traded their best corner. And even though we've got multiple reports from multiple people all over the fence sider that say Dante Davis was struggling to practice. He's losing his starting job to Richard Marshall. Sean Smith is the best corner. They feed off this negative media so much and say, oh, we, we're stupid for doing that. He was our best corner. When, yeah. when you know, that, that wasn't the truth. And then, you know, and I think people just get into all of that stuff. And then you got all this, you know, the, the fantasy football type. Well, we don't have a guy on our team that, you're like, man, this guy's going to get drafted in the first three or four rounds of a fantasy football league. But yep. you know, that's not the kind of stuff that actually wins football games all the time. You need to have a good overall team. And I think we're building that. Do we need some pieces? Absolutely. But we're not We're not to a point where we're just awful. Right. I think, make yeah. Team. And I think people are saying that we're so awful because we don't have a, a big name to hang the hat on. You have the Madden crowd that, yeah, I could get this trade, and if I want to make a trade, I can make it. And unfortunately, that's not the way it works in the NFL. If we want to trade somebody, great. There has to be somebody that wants that player and wants to make the trade. And we don't get to hit override and make the trade anyway. And then you're right. The other side is fantasy football. Everybody looks at us and goes, well, who's going to catch all the passes? 
Well, does it matter? I mean, in the end, as long as somebody's catching the ball, does it matter if it's a big name? Not really. Now, do we need to get somebody with better hands than some of the guys we have, like Nani? Of course. Nobody's arguing that. But just because we don't have that big name that jumps out at you doesn't mean we don't have talent. And that's that's what it, that's what the media makes us not realize. And then we all jump on that bandwagon of, oh, my God, we're the worst wide receiver core in the league. And we ignore the fact that we're one of six teams that have two wide receivers in the top 38 of pro football focuses rankings right now. And he's 11th or 10th. I posted it today. I think it's I think it's eleventh. Yeah. I have a question that goes yep. along with this kind of. So suppose you're sitting there next spring and you have, like I said, you have this uh, this core you can build around with best and Heartline. Do you think the Dolphins stick to the the Packer way of drafting receivers? Do you think they do it in a day two or suppose? So I think the Dolphins are probably going to be picking in the middle of the first round this year. That's how confident I am in these guys. Right. I think I think they can get into that into that range. Suppose you have a guy like uh, Allen from Cal or uh, from Cal. I mean, you you think they look at that guy and say, "Well, that guy is absolutely everything we're looking for in this type of receiver." Freaking smoke him if you got him. Or you think they they stick to the way of doing things? Like uh, I think they do. It. I think they probably go best player available. So if they're sitting there and there's a wide receiver available that they have ranked up there, they take him. If not, very easily, cornerback, um, defensive end, somebody else could be sitting there and they could take him. I I, say, it's got to be a pass rusher or, uh, or a corner. I, I don't I, – I think our – Yeah, go on, Chris. I, was, I think our – if 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 Keith Pryor, if we're picking in the middle of the first round, and I kind of think that's where we'll be too. You know, I haven't really studied up on all the pass rushers yet, and we really need one. Um, if, if for the simple fact that Wake's over thirty, he's not going to you know be great forever, right. so we need to have at least somebody. But if we're picking in the middle, I think our biggest need, and there will be a player available there, is a. A, a safety, a guy that can a, a cover safety. Rashad Jones is playing well right now, but we don't have a guy. And, and when I look at it, you know, we're getting beat by tight ends all the time. And in the three four, you know, your 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 middle linebackers or inside linebackers are supposed to help with that. In this defense, I think what's happening is when we drop into a zone. These guys are coming across the middle, these tight ends and whatever, and we don't have a safety back there that can just enforce that part of the field. I don't think Clemens is that guy. I don't know if Jones is. I think we need a good coverage safety, a guy that can play a little man-to-man on a tight end or a, or a receiver if he needs to, a guy that can just patrol the middle of the field and makes that his area. And, you're saying, you know, when he's there, you're not throwing there. And I think that's outside of pass So That is our biggest need, even more than wide receiver. Because, you know, I don't want to overreact to Hartline's game, but I think in this offense we don't need a, you know, a super duper guy that's going to catch 120 passes a year. So I don't think, you know, if if Hartline progresses, Beth progresses, you know, I think we pick up a guy in the late second, early third round. I think our biggest need is pass rusher first, then we need a safety, and that just that just stands out to me right now. Is I think the pass rusher is going to come along. 
but we we need a safety in the worst possible way. I think what I think what could help us there is Jimmy Wilson. If we can get a cornerback that lets Wilson truly be a safety, I think he is that guy because he he has good coverage skills. He has good instincts. He he needs time to develop as a safety, but I think he could be that guy. But um, and the interesting thing, speaking of safety, it just reminded me. You, you guys do realize that we get to play Jeremiah Bell this week because he's the Jet safety. So Bell I, I will be Bell will be back in uh, Miami along with Clyde Gates. Oh so, no! Yeah, Philbin was asked about that. About uh, is he worried that with Gates? with New York that he's giving away secrets of the offense or anything. And uh, Philbin answered, we picked up a guy from Houston the week of the Houston game, and we lost 30-10. to 10. So, yeah, I'm not worried about that. <laughs> That's probably true. I think this, this, there's a, a good point there with the, the safety thing. I, I think a corner makes a lot of sense, too, uh, especially with the, the type of scheme we're trying to run now. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, plenty of options, but the thing you, you just brought up there that really emphasizes uh, the convenience of the West Coast offense is uh, even if you don't want to oversell or, or overemphasize what Hartline did last week, the nice thing is just by bringing in more guys like Hartline, you could make this offense a lot more potent. Right. I mean, you could take the same skill level and just pop like two more of them in there, and, and suddenly you have a – I mean, it's – like I said, you're you're bringing in like a, a balanced quantity. You're not you're not bringing in a couple of guys who run four threes and like he said can catch a hundred balls a year, no problem. But it, when you when you load it up with with quality, and and you're bringing in like those three and four wide sets, sometimes even five. I mean that's that's a problem. Yeah. So. That's, but. Well. Guys, we are just about out of time today, so uh, I'll send it around and let you guys, any last comments you want to bring up before we end the show, because we have like six minutes left before we are out of time this week. So, Chris, anything you want to talk about? Um, nah, not really. I, I am excited about the Jets game. I think this is a big game. Um, I, will, I would love to see us win and get to 2-1. Get to, uh, two and I think it's going to be important. I'm, uh, I'm just interested to see how, uh, you know, how we're going to approach this offensively. I mean, I think, you know, defensively, I think we know what we've got to do. We've got to stop them running and pressure Sanchez. That's, that's going to be it. I just want to see how our run game is going to go up against them. I mean, the Jets, you know, they gave up a lot of yards to Spiller, but they shut down the Steelers' run game. And, you know, our passing offense is not the strength of the offense, so it's going to be their own defense against our run offense, and I think, you know, I think whoever wins that battle wins the game, and I, and I hope it's us. Sounds good. Keith? I think we win on Sunday, and that's just not like blind faith or optimism at this point. I think that in a lot of ways they're going to, they're going to dare the judge to try to stop the running game and that's something where once they have to take that into account, then I mean you're gonna. I think you can see Tano make a lot of plays with his legs. I think, uh, and and who knows? Maybe he has another a passing performance. I, it's gonna be a lot tougher 
this week, but it's not out of the question. So, progress. It's all about progress. <laughs> I have um, thing I want to yeah, add. go ahead. It just came up because I'm, I'm rewatching the game. You know, you guys are talking about Javorski Lane. A- another really good pickup this year that I'm excited about is Marcus Thigpen. And I mentioned yes. in the game thread, I mentioned in the game thread Sunday, what I really like about him is, yeah, he had that one run where he went sideways. But for the most part, he catches the ball. He, he he sees where he's going, makes his cut, and goes and gets upfield. And I really like that. I mean, in that the the punt return he had in Houston, you know, he made one move and was gone. You watch him; he just he's exciting to watch because when he gets the ball, he's got speed. He makes that cut and he makes plays. And it's he is he he's a guy that I really enjoy watching. So that that was a really good pickup by Ireland. Yeah, I th- I, I like I like Thigpen. But, guys, thanks for calling in tonight. Always, Everybody who called in and asked questions, thank you. Everybody who's listening, thank you. Thank you for taking part in the uh, live thread. Hopefully it was a good show for everybody. Um, check out tomorrow. We'll get you some uh, information on the new version of the Finsider that's coming up. It's going to be exciting stuff. And uh, I learned something, too. I've learned that a flawless profile, a perfect body, the right clothes – and a great car can get you far in America. Almost to the top. But it can't get you everything. Good night, guys. Later. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hi, I'm Karis Fisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Kerryu, who literally wrote the book on Theranos. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Karis Fisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Support for Pivot comes from Polestar. At Polestar, every inch of every vehicle they design is thoughtfully made. 
They're made to transform auto performance, accelerating from 0 to 60 in less than 4.2 seconds with fully electric all-wheel drive. They're made to elevate the driving experience with LED headlights and a panoramic glass roof. And they're made to uphold a greater responsibility to the planet using sustainable materials and energy-saving systems. The result is a car that combines the best of today with the technology of tomorrow. Pure performance, pure design, Polestar. Design yours and book a test drive today at polestar.com.